Hal, I think everyone knows you as, as uh, having spent most of your aviation career with Westlands, but obviously during those many years you had contacts uh, with people who were associated with Vickers and so on, and I think they'd be interested to in some of your reminiscences about some of the big characters that you met at that time. Well, the great meeting place, of course, was Martlesham Heath as the testing ground for all new aircraft. And there one uh, uh, happened to be looking after one's own Westland aircraft interests and met many other designers and test pilots who were doing the same for their particular firms. I suppose the, the first outstanding Vickers man I met was a tiny Schofield, a giant of a man with a deep voice, who uh, was the originally on the research piloting staff of uh, the RAE at Farnborough, and uh, then joined Vickers in in midsummer 1924 on leaving the Farnborough team. But I uh, did not meet him until several years uh, later when he was flying the um, big Vickers twin-engined Victoria, I think it was, at, uh, at Martlesham. And uh, on the, another occasion we had a, an amusing meeting, I think at Lim, when uh, uh, there was a little Dutch machine there called the Panda Monoplane and uh, I had just been flying it and was about to get out when this huge bulky man came up and he said get out little fellow if I can get in I want to fly it myself incidentally in I should think about 1927 or 8 I had my first experience of flying a Vickers machine, uh, although I was only uh, had only just learned to fly in the RAF, I was at Nottlesham with one of our machines in technical capacity, and uh, it was really my introduction to the various test pilots there, who were a very congenial set of fellows, and one of them just asked out of the blue would I like to have a go in a beamy with him? And uh, that was certainly a most uh, enlightening view after having flown Bristol fighters as the heaviest machine so far. Sitting there in front, uh, this was a dual control machine, of course, to feel the ponderous response of a huge machine. It was like turning from a very light car to a huge lorry and uh, I was astonished that uh, one could really handle a machine of this sort of inertia. One of the early Vickers machines which I saw was uh, based on a French-built Vibo, W-I-B-A-U-L-T, monoplane, and uh, with that um, tiny Schofield had an alarming initial experience because uh, on its um, first test flight of the Vickers-built version of it, he got into an inverted spin 
and uh, it was not until he was about 2,000 feet that he managed to get out. And the machine then crashed in the garden, and uh, in typical manner, he just strolled back to Vickers with his parachute under his arm and explained that he'd had a false landing. <laughs> <laughs> Incidentally, Vickers built 26 of these Vivos, uh, which were sold to Chile, as the British government were not very interested. Sadly, the career of Schofield ended with disaster. A Vanguard passenger-carrying machine had been loaded by the Amnesty to Imperial Airways and then was then returned to Brooklands for experimental modification, uh, particularly of the uh, tail, which was changed to a twin rudder arrangement to cope better when one engine had uh, failed. And in May 1929, Schofield was flying it with a chap called Frank Sharrett as his observer in order to test these directional characteristics. But when uh, they were just going over Shepparton, the vanguard suddenly dived to the ground and, and crashed crashed into the te into the uh, Middlesex bank of the Thames, caught fire, and both men were killed. He was presently succeeded by Mutt Summers, one of the Martlesham test pilots, whom uh, I think had always hoped that he would be taken over by a civilian aircraft firm, and he certainly was um, very friendly with young Vickers. He also had been flying all the Vickers machines in that particular Martlesham flight, so he forthwith went to Vickers and discussed the possibilities and was duly appointed. Uh, How did you come to meet him? Well, I, I met him again at Martlesham, merely in the course of various visits there. He was rather a dour character, I, I found, very confident, and always made quite sure that uh, he knew the right people. That uh, led him, many years later, in fact in 1937, as the result of a visit to German, Germany, to uh, report back on their progress and uh, the threat of armament that was quite obvious in Germany, and uh, he, he reported this to uh, Sir Archibald Jameson, who was the chairman of Vickers at the time, who duly told uh, Lord Swinton that um, his pilots had made this very serious report about the extent of aircraft rearmament, whereupon Swinton, in typical manner, said, kindly tell your pilots to mind their own bloody business. <laughs> okay. Did you ever actually fly with Mutt, or didn't pilots use pilots? No, never flew with him. Because from what people have but told me, he had rather an unorthodox way of flying. He, he was a very, very um, masterly in the way he flew, I thought. It was the reports I heard. No, it was a bit heavy-handed, but uh, I, I didn't actually fly with him. But I, I, did, I met him on many occasions during the war, where he kept in very close contact with Bomber Command and so on. We all used to go to the various commands to, 
discuss how uh, our aircraft were behaving or what uh, the next requirements were likely to be. So uh, he kept up a very close pressure on behalf of Vickers. Of course, the most prominent character of the uh, interwar years and early years of World War II was Rex Pearson, who had been appointed chief designer in 1917. He was a tall, impressive, slow-speaking character who often went to uh, Martlesham and uh, certainly on occasions when Martlesham gave the annual constructors dinner when he might be induced to make a speech in rivalry with uh, Handley Page but uh, they were always very businesslike careful speeches whereas uh, Hanley Page was usually an amusing jibe at the Air Ministry or any of the ministerial uh, branches because Hanley Page could quote the scriptures ad infinitum and always very appropriately. <laughs> How often did you yeah. have sort of encounters with Rex Pearson, I mean, apart from Martlesham and so on? I mean, did you visit Vickers at all in the course of your duties? first time I saw him was a, a student visit in my student days to Vickers mm. when uh, there was a, a I was on the student committee of the Royal Aeronautical Society and we arranged to have visits to various firms the first of which was Vickers at Weybridge it was a real introduction to my future in a sense that there were these huge sheds uh, with lines of uh, aircraft being constructed and there we were briefly mentioned by this austere looking man Pearson who uh, to me was uh, almost a god because he was the designer of Vickers. Pearson's personality was such that he really did induce both the affection and the respect, I thought, of not only his pilots, but also all the RAF pilots with uh, whom he came in contact. Uh, I think my chief contacts with Vickers arose through working on the Spitfire, and um, there, I think Mutt Summers was the chap who made the first flight for the um, Spitfire, followed by... Uh, Jeffrey Quill as his assistant and in the early days of the Spitfire uh, Quill and I worked in conjunction to a certain extent because the uh, Spitfire had a, a rather unsatisfactory elevator we, it, it um, could result at high speed in a uh, very heavy force to uh, pull the machine out at Westland, we altered actually the elevator characteristics of the machine so that you could dive quite smoothly and the, and the load rem remained constant. Uh, it was a subtle variation of, of uh, cambers and uh, the uh, elevator balance, actually. But uh, that would have been a very expensive modification to introduce. 
Quill, meanwhile, had been developing an inertia weight system which produced very much the same effect. The inertia weight helping the, uh, the pull-out of the, of the machine at 400 miles an hour or so. When would this have been? During the war? D actually, during this was all during the war itself. When Westlands was producing yeah. so fast. Yeah. And later on, of course, we became the parent firm for the, uh, the CFAR variation, the naval version of the machine. Again, there were just the occasional contacts then with both Mutt Summers and with uh, Geoffrey Quill. Discussions, of course, technical discussions with uh, supermarines on production matters. There was a, a, a very uh, extensive subcontracting system was also evolved, which was under the control of um, Eric Mensforth, the uh, managing director of, of Westland, for which he was, I think, ultimately knighted for that particular part of his wartime work. When, when you, you uh, the Spitfire has always been the glamorous aeroplane, you know, when you, when you talk about wartime, and particularly the Battle of Britain, it's always the Spitfire that's a star role, yes. and the Hurricane, which uh, was produced in greater numbers and scored, I think, a greater number of kills, is the ugly sister. I mean, when you flew the Spitfire, were you aware of it being an outstanding aeroplane, or did it have its secret vices? Well, I flew the very, f the prototype um, Spitfire, actually, at, at um, Martlesham. Uh, the Air Ministry mildly encouraged the chief pilots of various firms to go and try other manufacturers' machines. The prototype at that time, which must have been 1936 or 7, uh, had a fixed propeller, when I walked out to it, I was very impressed by the beautiful shape of the machine. But um, when I got into it and opened up, the enormous takeoff distance that required was the first rather startling thing. Anyhow, I set off in a very cautious climb up to uh, a few thousand feet, when all of a sudden uh, another machine whisked at me by one of the, flown by one of the Martian pilots, and uh, sort of instinctively I pulled fairly hard on the stick and always blacked myself out because at that speed the elevator was very light and the response was very rapid indeed. Mm. But um, it was certainly not such a nice machine to fly as the uh, Hawker. Uh, I thought the Hurricane was a, a very pleasant machine which looked after you compared with the uh, Spitfire which could produce problems for if you flew it um, badly or a little too zealously, shall we say, in, a, in a, a, a fight. And one used to practice, of course, mock attacks and so on to get the general effect of the uh, sort of inertias one had to withstand. Mm. No, I like the Hurricane and it did great work in the Battle of Britain. Uh, in fact, there were more hurricanes operating during the initial part of that than of Spitfires. Did you ever um, um, come across Sidney Cam in those? Oh, yes. yes, yes. What are your memories of him? And A most difficult man. <laughs> uh, I uh, used to accompany the technical director to a great many firms, 
largely because chief designers and technical directors didn't know very much about flying. So they took, usually took along the chief pilot to stand in if any awkward questions were raised. But um, Teddy Petter and I met uh, Cam at uh, his offices at Kingston, and it was a very difficult meeting. Teddy Petter was the uprising, bright young man. Cam was the very experienced man. I could see we were sort of heading for a disastrous discussion, and it took a, a, a great uh, deal of diplomatic work to sort of lead Teddy Petter on and uh, not be um, too forthright in all his statements. What, in fact, but, uh, can you remember the, the, the sort of nub of the, 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 the reason for the meeting? I mean, were the problems that you wanted to report to him, or what? I really forget the actual subject at the time. It may have been a discussion on twin-engine machines versus um, single-engine machines. But anyhow, some, some years later, when I was collecting evidence for some of the historical accounts, uh, I visited Cam in his retirement, and he was absolutely charming. We talked about painting, we talked about music. He told me the early stories of his um, days at um, Sopwith, with Sopwith, uh, for whom he had, of course, a great respect, just as Sopwith certainly had for him. I must say I rather liked um, uh, Cam. In fact, uh, Philip Lucas, uh, their chief test pilot, in his uh, retirement, uh, talked to me about um, Sopwiths and Cam in particular, and um, he also had a very high regard for Cam. He said he could be difficult, but you had to stand up to Cam, and Cam, uh, then if persuaded by the argument, would um, take appropriate action in any modifications. And Cam, on his part, told me that uh, the whole success of Hawker aircraft was due to his test pilots. Uh, and he particularly mentioned people like George Bullman, the, uh, who was also a, a one-time Farnborough pilot. You knew George Bullman? Oh, yes. And, uh, of course, they did a lot of their testing at Brooklands, where they had their... Um, uh, assembly shops mm. for machines carried, taken there from Kingston and other yeah. factories. Well, I met, of course, all the pilots occasionally. Mm. I knew we were bound to meet each other at various ministry meetings and other places. One didn't get to know them intimately, but uh, we were all in the same game and therefore understood each other. All these chaps still seem youngsters to me. <laughs> they were literally the next decade of, of pilots, those with whom I was initially associated. Another of the great characters, of course, was uh, Barnes Wallace. I used to hear a lot about him from members of the old airship construction company at Howden, uh, who had uh, joined Westland after the uh, demise of airships as a British project. I used to be told that he was a very difficult man to work with, 
that uh, if a particular air ministry people were coming along whom he did not like or get on well with, he would often lock himself in his office and absolutely re refuse to see them. But above all, he was a sufferer from migraine, which uh, really did knock him out of action. And uh, I only met him in his later days uh, when he was working on the swing wing project at Brooklands and had his own office and uh, limited staff. And on that occasion, he told me he'd not been very well. He'd obviously been just getting over a migraine. And I was quite prepared to have a, a rather difficult meeting in trying to e extract from him some of the stories of his earlier days. But uh, we got on to other subjects, uh, among which I discovered that uh, when he lived in the Isle of Wight, he was a very keen runner, long-distance runner. And as I used to uh, go in for long-distance running, we were suddenly mutually at one. And at that, he began to talk very easily about all sorts of things, from airship design to aeroplane design. He showed me a German textbook, which he said was the real Bible of uh, air, airship design. And uh, he, it was not necessarily one which he had, had uh, followed himself, because he had worked from first principles in deciding the particular girder forms and that sort of thing that um, uh, he used. But it, he did incidentally make uh, references to um, Burney, who was the original airship man working for the um, Admiralty. And uh, he said that he was a real uh, entrepreneur when it came to uh, airships. But he was a very bombastic man who would talk about my airships, my designers. And altogether, uh, he produced a rather extravagant atmosphere around him on the uh, airship mystiques. It was an interesting slant to get mm. from one designer who'd worked under uh, the, the man uh, to uh, see the revelation of what they uh, what was then uh, a historic figure, Bernie? Uh, what he, he really was, actually. His were, were non-rigid, I believe, weren't they? The First World War Admiralty ones. Well, I forget. No, he started these uh, the early rigid airships. Mm -hmm. Yes. So in fact, Arthur Wallace had been through the mill anyway well, to begin with. And yeah, oh, under, yes. under Bernie. But uh, um, it was the original basic Vickers company who I think employed Bernie. Uh, nothing to do with with um, Vickers of Brooklyn, the uh, aeroplane company. Uh, was that done at Cra Crayford or, or elsewhere in the country? Do you remember? Well, I forget, I forget now where all mm. the stuff was. Yes. yes all was this the one occasion you met Barnes Wallace when you were interviewing him for, for historical? The only one. The only one. Yes. Mm. Yes. No, well, it was very interesting to have, have uh, met the man himself. All of them have become memorable people to me.
even though I can't remember all the detail of our associations. Although uh, I went to Brooklands on a number of occasions, both pre-war and during the war, I never met uh, Sir Thomas Sopwith there, though during the war I happened to be at uh, A.V. Rose in the uh, Midlands when uh, Sir Thomas visited one day, and I was very impressed to uh, see this uh, man of whom I heard so much as a real pioneer and also as a, a great sailor. But in the 1960s, uh, again collecting information for some of these historical accounts, he very kindly invited me to lunch with him uh, at his uh, manor house in uh, Hampshire at uh, King Somborne. And, uh, the house was in beautiful grounds with an enormous winding drive that uh, I think about a mile long that uh, eventually attained the house. At that time he was only in his 60s I think but I was astonished in questioning him to find that he had virtually no recollection of the details of the organization of the uh, original Sopwith Company. I knew the names of uh, several of his earlier designers, in fact the fundamental people who designed machines like the uh, one and a half strutter and the pup and the, and the, and the camel. But he, he said, oh no, uh, it was um, Hawker, Segrist, Segrist and I who designed all the aeroplanes. But you know, he didn't. <laughs> they, uh, the uh, project designers would then present these uh, things to uh, Cam and uh, oh I'm sorry I, I forgot to mention Cam of course in the, mm. in, in the early group uh, they would pre- present the project to um, initially to uh, Hawker and uh, Segrist and then in later days via Cam and they, in turn, would show them to uh, Sopwith himself, who might say, why don't we do this or do that a little. But he was certainly swayed in the uh, pre-First World War days by Hawker to a very great extent. Always made the proposal of, let's make a single-seater like this, or we could do a three-seater by altering this other machine, so-and-so. But... Where Sopwith did blossom forth when I met when I met him was over his sailing, and it, it was apparent that a very great deal of his time throughout his life was spent either with motorboats in America or England, later of course with the Epic America Cup efforts with his two yachts. When one entered his um, hall from the front door. There at the far end was a huge model of his last yacht, the Endeavour, which was so big that the mast projected up two flights of the uh, stairway. And uh, he talked in glowing terms of the ability of Nicholson, its uh, designer, uh, but said, you know, of course I can't blame him or the boat or the crew. 
I made mistakes, I'm afraid, in the in the, uh, acting as uh, helmsman in the in the in the race. Though we had the better boat, and I ought to have won.